welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. This is the podcast for sales agents and ISOs who want to grow their portfolio. Patty, what an episode that we had today about gift cards. It's an incredible market opportunity. I mean, it seems so uh, boring, you know? Right. So, like, oh, this isn't something this like... This is it. on the side. This is on the side. Who cares about thing. gift cards? Right, right. But, it, I mean, it's amazing. You know, like, the, the, the scope of the market, the size of the market, and... Uh, you know what David was telling us about what they're doing is oh, it's amazing it's what amazing. they what such a novel approach. It is, you know, they've literally taken something that you know just a whole other form of payment and mm-hmm. shown us a way that we can leverage that to sell merchants and create great relationships and help consumers get more value for their for their money. Yeah, absolutely. And we even answered some really good questions at the end. And the questions from the field had three good questions. So yeah. make sure you stick around for those. So Please. awesome. Well, you know what? Let's just jump right in. And uh, I'm so excited for you guys to hear from David Allen and this just unique idea he has of leveraging uh, corporate gift cards and allowing your merchants to accept Walmart gift cards and things like that. Pretty cool, huh? Yes, yeah, very cool. Let's go. All right, everybody. I am here with David Allen from Brands. So, David, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what is Brands? Because it's it's such an intriguing concept and idea that I'm excited to interview. But obviously, no one out there uh, on our podcast may know who you are. So, introduce yourself. Tell us what Brands is. Great. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So Brands is an incredibly unique platform that enables any business or charity to accept major brand gift cards as payment or donation, uh, literally just as if they were accepting a credit or a debit card as payment. Well, yeah. So like, you know, a, a small restaurant could say, you know, we accept gift cards from Olive Garden or Red Lobster or something, right? Absolutely. And even more broadly, that small restaurant will accept Walmart and Best Buy and Home Depot and Office Depot and Lululemon and hundreds more. Sure. And, 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 and the charities, and the, I'm, I'm, I'm interested That's in that. That's an interesting concept. That's a really interesting. So, yeah, so could you just elaborate a little bit on that, David? Absolutely. So, and, and this is a major drive for us here at, at Brands, and that is to help charities increase the amount of donations that they are receiving, um, whether they are a, a, a school 501c3, um, a religious organization, or some of the, uh, the nation's largest charitable organizations, they're all looking to always increase the amount of donations they receive. Sure. One of the challenges that every charity deals with is that uh, many people have limited funds. They may have great desire to donate, but their ability to do so is somewhat sure, limited sure. based upon their financial situation. What gift cards do is they give an individual the ability to donate without actually potentially feeling that pain in their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, by the way, for those people who are traditional donation or donors, it is also very common for them to increase their typical donation by saying, wow, I have $7 left on my Best Buy card, and I have a $25 card to Macy's, which I'm never going to use. Mm-hmm. My husband got me a Home Depot card, which was more for him than for me. I'm going <laughs> to use this at the med spa, or I'm going to use this to get the massage, uh-huh. or I'm going to use this at the local retailer that has the, uh, the clothes that I want more so than Nordstrom's or Macy's. 
Sure. Wow, that's uh, that's awesome. That's very cool. Well, hey, let's do this, David. So we're going to take a little bit of a step back. So we're going to dive into all the details here a little bit later in the interview. But I want to take a little bit of a step back because this is such a unique idea. I was telling Patty before the interview, I said, you know, um, I get pitched like a million times a month on mm-hmm. is, oh, I have this idea. And, you know, when I talked to you, I was like, wow, that's actually a really good idea. So what prompted you to start this business? I mean, take us back a little bit. Why on earth did you come up with this thing? Because it's I think it's really an interesting concept. Well, thank you. And, and actually, myself and my partners, we all have roots in the uh, acquiring and the issuing space. And the one thing that we have seen to be true in the acquiring space is how incredibly competitive it has become. Right. And, uh, you know, anybody that is selling traditional merchant services or even non-traditional merchant services is dealing with margins that are eroding incredibly rapidly. Mm-hmm. And when my partners and I began looking at how we wanted to pursue what is the issuing and acquiring market, we looked for something that was incredibly unique, Mm. but not requiring tremendous level of education. And gift cards is really such a natural fit because believe it or not, there is actually $45 billion in unused gift cards in the United States alone. Yeah, that does not surprise me. I was just talking with James about how big the market is itself, which is like three hundred fifty-two billion a year. Trillion, or billion, no, billion, billion, right, right. billion, billion a year. Billion a year. In, uh, so gift card loads. And 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 I, about how I have uh, all these uh, Home Depot uh, cards with a few few dollars on them sitting in my truck and thinking, uh, if, you know, there's a thousand of us out there. Imagine how much money that is. Absolutely. And so when we began thinking about how we could make a difference for for merchants and and really ultimately for charities, but how can we make a difference for businesses? And the the major struggle that every business has is driving traffic. How do they bring more consumers into their brick and mortar business? Or if it's e-commerce, how do they drive more traffic to their website? And how do they stand apart from others? And how do they get them to spend more? Well, there's thank you. Yeah. There, there's no question about right. that. That is always a challenge. And so, what we what we quickly realized was that there is nobody in the market driving consumers to use their existing unused gift cards mm. to make purchases on those items that you purchase every day, or places that you frequent, or more specifically, maybe you'd like to frequent, but you just don't have that disposable income. Mm-hmm. And so gift cards really is that believe it or not easy fit so the key for us was how do we make the pieces of the puzzle match so how do we make it easy for the consumer to reach into their purse or their wallet or their drawer and pull out their uh, macy's gift card and go into a merchant and use it as if they were using a credit or a debit card and that is truly the premise and the structure of our platform making it as easy as using a traditional credit or debit card with the closed loop gift card that you already have sure Mm -hmm. sure so david let's so let's dive in a little bit more then so let's talk about this from the merchant's perspective so you know i'm sure at this point in the interview everybody listening is asking like themselves you know how on earth does this actually work so you know as i understand it you basically have a buyer's network that's buying these gift cards up so talk about how the process works you know um, there's a consumer they have a fifty dollar home depot gift card in their wallet and they walk into a 
uh, local business that has your program so that they can accept that Home Depot card. Um, and this consumer wants to spend, you know, let's say they want to spend that $50 in that store. Walk us through, like, what exactly is happening kind of behind the scenes and how does that work? So, firstly, the merchant is adding to every uh, advertising campaign uh, any signage that they have, that they accept all major brand gift cards. They want that message to get out that consumers know that they can use money that is simply sitting around at these businesses. Sure. So that's first and foremost. Right. Education is, is key. Secondly, when the consumer comes in to use that card, again, as, as I stated, using it as simply and easily as a credit or a debit card, as a matter of fact, um, recently, Deja Vu has integrated our platform into their terminals, and they will be formally releasing this uh, to be able to be used in their uh, DeNovo platform and ultimately in all their terminals. So if you had a Nike gift card, you could literally swipe it on that terminal. Or we have a universal integration with POS systems based on Microsoft hardware, where literally if, you're, if you have an Aloha or a Micros or a Squirrel or so many others, you have the ability to easily accept that gift card. And then lastly, we have an Android app and our iOS app is coming out in the next week so that anybody that is tablet-based can easily and simply mm -hmm. accept a gift card. So taking your example, you walk in with a uh, $50 Home Depot card, mm -hmm. but let, let's throw in uh, a variation. Your, your purchase is only $40. Right. And mm -hmm. so there is a $10 balance that you have on your card because you're getting 100% value on your $50 Home Depot card. Well, what we have created is something called a balance card where that $10 differential is immediately text and emailed to you as the consumer with the remaining balance. And that balance card can only be used back at the merchant where you spent that original $40. Uh -huh. and there's two reasons for that. The first and most important reason is because it is compelling you to go back right. to that merchant location. Sure. That, that, that's first of all. And second of all, because once you've used the card, we're going to take the entire card. We can't enable you to spend you know, 80% sure. of the card and then keep that card. We take full possession of that card. And through our system, which really intuitively is, is quite amazing because we do a balance inquiry we validate the card. Mm -hmm. We then provide an approval and facilitate the transaction. Our system pulls that card in, and then we have an incredibly unique network of corporate clients that are interested in purchasing an unlimited number of cards from us. And these corporate clients are incredibly hungry for all the cards that we have available. So tens of millions of dollars, they are more than happy to purchase on an ongoing monthly basis or more. And so we then dispose or dispense of those cards. But even before that happens, we have paid out the merchant. We have funded the merchant, again, very similarly to a traditional credit or debit card transaction. And all of the uh, process that we go through on the back end is entirely seamless to both the merchant and the consumer. 
Sure. And talk a little bit about the the funding, um, how that works. Like one thing just to clarify, I think for some people that, that like when you first told me the idea, one thing that was a little confusing to me, you know, I think people may think of gift cards as like this physical thing. But because of the advent of all these, you know, Home Depot and Walmart, they all have their online you know, stores, you know, you don't actually need the gift card, of course, you just need the number from the gift card, right? Absolutely. And so the consumer, whether you have a physical card, and let's say you had a physical Home Depot card, the merchant's going to take that card from you, and they're going to dispose of that card. And they are quite right. literally, when they enter that into our system, however they, however they do that, they are quite literally converting that to a virtual card. Right. So if you handed them your phone and they enter that in, or you handed them the card and then they cut up the card and dispose of it afterwards, that now has become a virtual card. So does that mean you could even use something like, say, an Amazon gift card that's like an electronic card? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, 50%. That's awesome. This this is another crazy number. 50% of the almost 4 billion cards out there are virtual today. And mm. so whether you're sitting with that physical card or the card that was gifted to you by a family member or a friend is sitting somewhere in your email, never to be found again, unless you realize you can use it somewhere that actually has some real value for you. Right, right. Sure. Okay, so and then talk about the funding percentage. So obviously this isn't this isn't like a check or credit card transaction in terms of, you know, the merchant isn't getting, you know, ninety eight point four percent of it or you know, there's a little more than interchange here. So talk about the funding a little bit and how that works. I will absolutely and, and the one thing that I want to convey also is that the platform is really looked at in two ways. Um, one as a marketing tool. The ability for merchants sure. to go out and drive in traffic from their surrounding community of people who are sitting on this pool of funds. That, that's one methodology. The other is as an alternative payment solution. Um, and I'll give an example of say a collection agency mm-hmm. where unfortunately debtors rarely have money available. That's why However, they're debtors. <laughs> no question. Uh, but interestingly, they do have cards and whether it's a two dollar card or a 25 dollar card or a hundred dollar card we hear that collection agencies feel as though it really engages that debtor because they feel as though they have now participated in relieving even a small amount of that sure sure so so collection agencies payday lenders uh, even in the adult arena because of the anonymity of using a major brand gift card or mlm so on the uh, e-commerce side, uh, in many cases, it is looked at as an alternative payment solution because it may have some principles or does have some principles uh, far different than credit or debit card processing, like no chargebacks, no decline, mm-hmm. no refund, things such as that. Uh, so on the marketing side, which is really the way that uh, brick-and-mortar businesses look at the sure. uh, platform, right. uh, they look at the cost as really a marketing cost. Right. And the cost of accepting a major brand gift card is entirely determined by the brand which is received. And so, for example, an Amazon card is going to pay the merchant 90% plus of the value of that card, whereas a Cold Stone Creamery or a Red Robin may only pay 70 or 75% of the value of that card. 
Right. And all of that is is incredibly detailed in the admin panel that we provide to the merchants. Okay. So they have the ability to make that determination. And, and I'll give you a great example. Um, and by the way, just to preface it by saying that all of our merchants choose to accept every major brand gift card. That was my that was my question, actually. I was yeah, wondering course, that myself. Right? Yeah, sure. They really do have the option of saying, you know what, we only want to accept Walmart. And mm -hmm. I'll give you the great example. So we're, we're dealing with a major party store. We'll, we'll leave their name uh, un, un, uh, unannounced. A major party store, 100 locations. And the question to them was, who is your biggest competitor? And already knowing that Walmart was going to be the answer, which it was. Sure. And their entire goal is to create marketing programs, discount promotions to drive their customers in and give them a reason to go to their business instead of Walmart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we told them, look, you may want to advertise that you accept all major, major brand gift cards, or what you may want to do is make your advertising all about Walmart. Walmart has billions of dollars mm -hmm. in gift cards out there. And if you know that they are your single largest competitor, then you want to put in every ad. We will accept all our all Walmart gift cards. Oh, and by the way, we'll still accept the uh, the coupons that we put out there too. So right. that becomes an additional driving force that not only are they driving traffic away from their biggest competitor, but they're giving a, an additional great incentive to come to their business opposed to the other. Sure. So, and I want to get into actually some statistics here at the end of, of just because you shared with me some pretty interesting stats on you know usage and stuff. But before we go there, let's shift gears a little bit and let's go to the other side of the equation and let's talk about ISOs and agents. So, you know, I can point out the obvious reason why ISOs and agents would be interested in this, which is what you already said, and that is setting yourself apart. I mean, what a great pitch, you know, whether you're on the phone or in, in person of, you know, hey, we have a program allowing you to accept all major brand uh, gift cards. That's a pretty good door opener, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, aside from that, you know, talk about the financial end of things and things like that. Why should an ISO or sales agent be interested in this program? So thank you, because ISOs and agents is, is really one of the uh, driving forces in, in our marketing campaign, because we know that a they have the best relationships. They either have sure. their book of business mm -hmm. or merchants that they um, have been looking to work with that they have been calling on for an extended period of time. So we know that they're the, the, the right audience to be taking our platform to the merchant masses. Uh, and so our message to them is first and foremost, this is a way for you to further monetize your merchants and your portfolio. Mm -hmm. But equally, if not more importantly, it's a way to secure your merchants. Because one thing has become a truth in the uh, merchant acquiring space, and that is that merchants are incredibly fickle, mm -hmm. that in many cases they don't even have a contract any longer. Right. And five basis points in a reduction of cost is a reason why a merchant is switching. <laughs> and so. Sure. We, so we are looking to help the, the ISOs and the merchants change, change that message. And the message is that they are not simply offering a solution for accepting credit cards, which everybody does. They are helping that merchant 
to increase business, mm-hmm. to drive traffic, and they're more important. You know, something that I have heard from ISOs a number of times, and I'm so interested in hearing if this is something that you've heard as well, mm-hmm. and that is a merchant will uh, be signed up by an ISO, and the ISO does everything in their power not to speak to that ISO again because they know the moment they get them on the phone, they're going to want to know how much money they can save them again. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of proactive support in our industry. Would you say, Patty? Yeah, <laughs> it's more of we signed you up. Now never speak to us again, please. Sayonara. <laughs> Absolutely, and and if you ask them, they have a good reason for it because they know that they're being deluged daily with people knocking on their door calling them, sure. asking them to switch credit card processors, and somebody's just given them some ridiculous rate. And if you happen to get them on the phone at the same time they just got that crazy rate, you may be expected to meet that also. So right. they, they live in fear. Yeah. We want to change that emotion to be an added value benefit for your merchant. So when somebody walks in and offers a savings, that's not why they're using you as an ISO. They're using you as an ISO because you're driving traffic to their business. You're mm-hmm. giving them new and innovative ways to grow their business. And this is the craziest message, and that is between November and January, there is $5 billion in additional gift cards issued. So mm-hmm. any time a merchant says that my business falls off a cliff after the holidays or it takes a while for us to pick back up again, right? Um, or we're, we're waiting for the next season, whatever that reason is that they need to survive on the, the dollars that were, um, that were done during the holiday season and, and just before, this really turns that concept on its head because there is such an incredible amount of new gift cards that are flush on the market that these merchants they need to begin advertising now to their customers and potential customers. They, they accept major brand gift cards. So when those customers are flush with new gift cards, they know exactly where to take them. Right, yeah, right. yeah. And, you know, David, the thing that strikes me about it that's so interesting is, you know, you think about all of the effort in our industry that went into promoting things like NFC, you know, mobile payments, um, you know, the funny thing to me is, you know, mobile payments is another form of payment and it's really you know, Apple Pay and, and you know, Google, their, what is theirs called? I can't remember, the it's Google like Wallet. Google Wallet, yeah. You know, when you look at that, I mean, how much business is a local business owner really going to get from that? None. But you can go in with this and literally say, I want to allow you to accept a totally different form of payment. And guess what? It's, the, it's a form of payment that thousands of consumers in your market are already carrying and have right. available to them right now. Right. Almost so. universal. I mean, I right. mean, almost as universal as a credit or a debit card, really. Yeah, it's it's really really interesting, David. So okay, so you know, let's talk about the sales a little bit. So okay, I'm a I'm a sales rep or I have an ISO. You've kind of already touched on this, but give us a little more specifics. What are some ways that you've seen some maybe some successful strategies of ISOs you're working with or agents? How are they presenting this not just to their existing customers, but how are they using this to to acquire new uh, business relationships? Great. So what I would tell you is I really classify. Um, ISOs and agents into a few different groups. Uh, you know, you have the uh, the master ISOs as we call them, and they're the they're the big boys, and they have tens of thousands, in many cases, hundreds of thousands of merchants. Right. And we we are in some form of communication discussion with with if many, if not all, of them currently. Um, ultimately, to enable all of their registered ISOs to be able to walk into those merchants and say. 
you can accept major brand gift cards now. Mm-hmm. So that is one level. The, the next level is the ISO that has a, a nice um, a nice book of business, but they're they're always fighting to keep that residual where it is. You know, I, I've heard mm-hmm. the note, you know, lose one, you need to bring on three. Right. Uh, yeah. And so our, our message is, well, the average the average merchant is going to generate uh, thirty to $50 in revenue for the ISO with our platform. And if you're typically earning 25, 50, 75 basis points, which might be really um, lucrative in the merchant services space, it's still a, a small percentage of what we pay out to ISOs and to master ISOs. So that's the next segment. And then lastly, and certainly, certainly not last, is the individual or the small group agent that oftentimes are door knockers. Right. Mm-hmm. And they are they are either picking up a phone or knocking on doors, trying to catch a merchant at the right time where they might be able to talk about how they can save them money. Because that seems to be the only message which is conveyed. You know, right. as you mentioned, other products have been thrown out there, but nothing seems to have stuck. So for for this particular market segment, we really turn the clock back. 10, 15 years, maybe even more, where merchants have an interest in listening to you because you're offering something of substantial value that is ultimately going to improve and benefit their business. And that's the message we're hearing. And by the way, something that we have not begun to communicate to the market yet, and we will be releasing in the next few weeks, is our $100 advance bonus program. And it was really designed with the agent ISO that knocks on doors and calls merchants because we know that there's nothing better than being able to close a merchant and get a bonus right away instead of right. having to wait that mm-hmm. month or two. Mm-hmm. And the message that we're hearing from these quote-unquote door knockers, these, these ISO agents who are incredibly aggressive and, and looking to write business every single day, that they feel as though the clock has been turned back because they can write three, five, seven deals in a day because this is a message that merchants want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Well, that's great. So, okay, let's so let's kind of cut to the chase here. So, I, you know, I can tell it's been a good interview, I think, Patty. I think everybody listening is probably pretty interested at this oh, point. Yeah, sure. So, David, give us some specifics, and we'll type this up in the uh, podcast notes as well, but um, where do people go to learn more if they're an ISO? It, let me ask you a question. If I'm an individual agent and I want to do this, can I do that, or do I need to go through my ISO? You absolutely can sign up with us directly. Okay. And so we have both a, a master ISO plan for ISOs that have ISOs that work um, within their organization. Right. So mm-hmm. this way they get an override on that compensation and their ISOs are earning. And we also have an ISO program, which pays the ISO the same as they earn when they're with the master ISO. So we don't want to disincentivize sure. oh, okay. someone mm-hmm. from signing up through their master ISO right, because right. it's always a benefit. Right. Well, and of course, too, for you guys, then down the road, if you work your way up the ladder, if you know, if, if an ISO has two or three of their reps sign up and they really are successful, they're going to obviously go to their ISO and say, their, their, their master ISO and say, hey, you guys should be offering this to all of our other reps. And so that creates kind of a uh, continuity of the program there. So I think that's a smart way to do it. Uh, we're, we, are, we are all about one thing. And, and that is making it incredibly easy for this message to get out. Because right. as, as we've all seen, as soon as you add complexity, 
it becomes more of a challenge for the the group or the individual attempting right. to sell it. And the merchant has limited attention span, no yeah. offense, of course, but no, really of course. they need to hear something quickly. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then, by the way, I, I need to throw this last bit out, sure. and that is any merchant that has our brand's program also has access to our no-cost, no-fee virtual gift card program. So within our platform, um, unlike every other gift card company out there that charges for the issuance of a gift card and charges mm-hmm. a transaction percentage, some as much as 5% on every transaction mm-hmm. of your own gift cards, our platform enables a merchant to do it at zero cost. And if you have an existing gift card program, you can literally upload all of your existing cards to us. We will then be able to track all your balances. And instead of incurring that cost, you now have free gift cards of your own. Yeah, and that's where they would just get their current liabilities report and kind of upload it into some kind of system you guys have. And then, and, and just to make sure I'm understanding it, that's, that's transitioned over to digital gift cards though, right? That is correct, unless they have their own plastic gift cards, which they can then register in our system. Oh, sure. And they oh, okay. can actually issue plastic as well. So we can support the plastic, but we don't want to be a part of any cost that they're incurring on the gift card side. Of course. So if they want to go out and buy gift cards or if they already have an inventory, which many of them do. Right. Uh, they can just upload cards. that to your system. Exactly. And save on the transaction fees. That's a, that's a pretty interesting thing, That's a very thing interesting. Too. Okay, Dave, we got, we got to get the, the info here. So where do they go? How do they find out more about you? How do they sign up? What do they do? So brands.com, B-R-A-A-N-D-Z.com. And right there, we have a link for ISOs, so they can go in and they can read about the program. They can request additional information. Myself or one of my teammates will jump on the line with them. And and ultimately, when they become an ISO agent, they have access to our back-end portal, which enables them to see everything pertaining to their merchants, every transaction that has occurred, every card that's taken Quite literally, we have built an open-loop system in a closed-loop environment. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, David, that was uh, one of the most intriguing interviews that we've done. I'd have to say right? so as very, well. Very original, so very interesting. But, David, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure that our many, many of our listeners, uh, you're going to be hearing from them soon. Thank you, David. Great. It's uh, really enlightening. Okay. Have a great day. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Greensheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. Prepaid cards may not be for everyone, but it's worth considering. Historically, prepaid cards have been seen as a way to put plastic in the wallets of the unbanked. The estimated 10 million adult Americans who don't have credit cards or transaction accounts at banks and credit unions. But usage has expanded in recent years, particularly usage of, of open-loop prepaid card, debit cards, which look like most other debit cards, complete with ma- major brand logos. A lot of folks use prepaid re- uh, general-purpose uh, reloadable prepaid cards for online purchases as a precautionary move to protect against card number thefts. I, for one, use an online use one for an online purchases as well as for unattended gas stations since these are the most susceptible hmm. for, for skimming. Yeah. A paper published by the Philadelphia Fed in 2014 bears this out. 
It reported a strong and growing adoption of general-purpose reloadable prepaid cards among middle- and higher-income Americans, as well as high-net-worth households. Not surprisingly, usage skews towards younger millennial households, uh, which account for about 40% of spending on reloadable prepaid cards. Hmm. Wow. That's a significant yeah, amount. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, some of it's for budgeting. Right. Um, some of them, you know, they come out of college with huge debt. And <laughs> right. Either can't get or don't want to have credit cards. Sure. Um, and so, you know, the prepaid cards, at least they have plastic in the, in right, the wallets, right? Right, right. It's, it's convenience without the risk. Without the risk, exactly. Um, Mercator Advisory Services, which is a research and consulting firm that keeps tabs on retail payment trends, reports that the open-loop prepaid card market is growing at an annual compound rate of about 5%, and that total load, loads on the cards are expected to hit about $352 billion in wow. 2020. Hmm. That's, wow. a lo- that's a lot of loads. It is a lot. Um, so you're saying that's like the, the annual load? Like there's going to yeah. be $352 billion a year in, a year in, in loads. spending from pre- or loads in prepaid cards. Right. Like wow. I mean, You have to expect that maybe not all of that money is going to be spent, but right. a probably, lot of it Probably is. most of it on a prepaid probably card. Probably most of it. And think yeah. about it. You know, yeah. um, I remember in the days when we used to do our annual um, top acquirers report at the Green Right. Street. Sure. You know. The, you know, back in the in the '90s, it was called the billion-dollar acquirers market, right? Because hmm. if you had a portfolio of a billion dollars, it <laughs> you was were big. big. You right. were big, right? You know, now if you have a portfolio of a hundred billion dollars, right, you're a good size, right? <laughs> but think about that. That's you know, that's like three and a half portfolio, hmm. good-sized portfolios. You know what's so interesting, Patty? I had no idea you were going to do this, uh, you know, prepaid card thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it's so funny because literally this week was it? Yeah, in the last seven days. Um, I had uh, I was talking to my dad, out and he lives out in Chicago area. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I had some things that I wanted to pay for for my parents. Right. And so I wanted to be able to to put money on a card regularly that mm-hmm. he could have access to. Uh huh. Um, and so I went and got a wall. Well, I had him go get a Walmart money card. Right. Those things are actually pretty convenient. You know. Very convenient. Now they have the whole uh you know d- direct deposit thing. Yes, they do. So I was able to set it up in my in my bank account as an external account. Mm-hmm. They sent a couple small deposits. Right. I entered the amounts, and now whenever I want, I can just transfer money onto my dad's card i did the same super thing. convenient super convenient i did the same thing for a couple of my nephews when they went off to college i wanted yep. to help them out right you know but i didn't want to send them money right and right. i also wanted them to learn how to use exactly right right and it's great because you can't overdraft it exactly you know you can't make a mistake it's it's just there right and you so know. what i did is i got a bluebird card which yep, at the time sure. they were partnering very with walmart yeah very similar yep and i can still go to walmart mm-hmm. and i still do this i got a you know hundred bucks in my pocket and I'm like okay I want you to put this on that card on that card right and I can manage it so I have a card for myself right and I have these two or three sub accounts mm. yeah and whenever the kids need money you right. know I just switch money you know I can just switch mm. money over to that so yeah. it's very convenient it is yeah um so while many prepaid card companies sell directly to merchants there are some that sell through ISOs and agents as well hmm. um the one that most that springs to mind is NetSpend, which, of course, is owned by Tesis. Oh, okay. I didn't okay. even know that. Never yeah. heard of them. Yeah, they bought uh, – NetSpend is one of the bigger ones. Okay. Um, NetSpend and Green Dot are two of the biggest companies. Sure, Green Dot I'm really familiar with. Right, and right. Uh, 
TESIS bought NetSpend probably about five years ago. Wow. Yeah. So and when you say a program for ISOs, what are you talking about? Like you, you, you go into a merchant and say, hey, wouldn't you like to sell these prepaid cards to your consumers, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so, you know, the revenue streams are such that uh, when, the, when the merchant sells the card, mm-hmm. the ISO or the agent will get like a one-time fee for that. Sure. And then they usually get a share of the fee that the merchant charges for loading. Hmm. And wow. that, that, of course, has to be negotiated, right. is my understanding. But, sure, sure. But, you know, so there's, wow. there's, there's, a, there's yeah. a stream there. That's cool. Um, and just to give you a sense of how um, attractive and how, how much these things are being used, yeah. the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has approved a set of regulations for prepaid cards. Oh. <laughs> you know, up until about a year ago, they were pretty much, it was pretty much a, a wild west out there. Right. And what they did is they basically in, imposed the same consumer protections that would go with a credit or debit card. Okay, sure. And yeah. I mean, it stands to reason. I mean, if you yeah. have a card like this that, you know, let's say my nephews lose their cards. Right. You know, I right. hate the idea that some kid's going to pick up that card. And, and just go use it. Go use it. Right. Um, right. So at least that now they can report the missing cards and they sure. can put a hold on Well, and cards. I know like the one that I got from my dad, he actually... Um, they sent him a, a card, and it actually has his name on it. Yes. It looks like a normal. Oh yeah, my, so do mine. Yeah, yeah they. So I that's mean, neat. yeah, which is very cool because, mm-hmm. and that's what I like is that it does look like a normal debit card, and it right. works like a ne- debit card, and it's a great way to get, like, for your dad to help out your dad, for right. me to help out the kids, but also to teach the kids. Yeah, of course. About using right. Um, right now, these money. aren't their prepaid cards are, would not fall under the Durban Amendment regulations in no. any situation, right? Because it's not actually a check it's, card. No, it's not actually a debit hmm, that's card. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why the CFPB wanted to put some. Sort sure, of, there's just nothing there. So. There's just nothing yeah. there. Okay. So, um, so I wanted to just speak briefly also about cro- closed loop prepaid cards, which are basically gift cards. Right. Okay. okay. Um, and I think that th- and it's been suggested that this change in regulatory coverage for the open loop cards may p- send a little bit more um, interest mm-hmm. towards closed loop cards. Um, you know, because obviously uh, merchants see them as, a, as an opportunity to boost sales as well as loyalty, right? Sure. Now, here's an interesting – according to Mercator, the annual compounded growth rate for, for these closed loop cards is only 2%. So okay. it's, it's less than it is for the open loop cards. Now, wait, we were talking about the growth percentage there? Yeah. So you're saying that the, the concept of gift cards in general is growing very slowly? The money that's loaded on the cards. Oh, it's loaded on the cards. It's being loaded at a slightly... Sl- sure, pretty much just keeping up with inflation, it sounds Basically. like. Basically. So pretty much it sounds like the gift card market is a mature market, and it's glo- growing at the rate of inflation pretty much. Right, but here's yeah. an interesting thing is... Um, what Mercator projects is that by 2020, which was when I said, what was it, 360? $352 billion, I 52 think. $52 billion, yeah. Closed loops are going to hit um, $346 billion. Wow. So re- so the open loop is actually going to surpass It's going to surpass, loop, but right now it's sort of they're, they're a hmm. little bit they're wow. pretty close to even. And the only yeah. reason open loop is going to surpass is because it's growing faster. Right. Sure. So hmm. Interesting. Um, but here's an interesting thing also. is in, And, and I, I can kind of understand this. Uh, uh, consumer incentive cards, according to Mercator, are driving much of the value, uh, much of the growth. Sure. And these. Sure. And, uh, you know, that's because gift cards are no longer just a last minute mm-hmm. gifting idea. I mean, right. I, I mentioned to you in our in our off uh, mic conversation mm-hmm. a few minutes ago about how I love to go, you know, this, the the 
supermarket in my town has a great fuel perks pro- program. Mm-hmm. If I buy gift cards for Home Depot mm-hmm. and Best Buy and wherever I'm going to buy it, have a major purchase, right? I go to that grocery store first. <laughs> um, sure. here, here's a little aside. I had to do um, two major renovations, home re- renovations, mm-hmm. in the last three or four years. Right. Um, each time, by buying the Home Depot card for all of the s- supplies I needed, I got two tanks of gas for my Dodge Ram 1500, which has like a 25-gallon tank. Yeah, yeah. I mean... So just to clarify for everybody listening, what you're talking about doing is, you know, you as a consumer, you went to your grocery store where you get reward points for gas. Right. And because they sell gift cards there, you bought your your Home Depot gift card there for all the things you need to buy for your home renovation. Right. So then you get your tanks of gas and you have your gift card and you go buy your stuff at Home Depot. You got it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of people... Starting to figure that out. Starting to figure yeah, things sure. like that out, you sure. know. Um, here's an interesting thing from uh, First Data Corporation. They did a report last year on consumer attitudes and spending habits with gift cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, they surveyed, I think it was about 2,000 consumers. Okay. And they found that 75% of those consumers overspend the amount on a gift card by an average of $38. <laughs> yeah. And that's up from an overspend of $28 in 2016. Wow. So that's a significant number. That's a significant number. Sure. You know, um, well, you know, I, I think one of the most successful marketing campaigns I ever uh, witnessed from a real, just a local business owner, mm-hmm. I had a pizza shop client and he did a deal with the local high school where he gave them um, free $5 gift cards right. for his pizza shop. And I'm talking about like 5,000 of them, like, like an unbelievable amount. It was a big school, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was a big school, very big school. And so they went out and I think they got maybe 4,500 of them out the door. But the idea was they would go out and they would sell them. And he said, look, you can keep whatever you sell the gift card for, you know, you keep it. So they would just go to people and say, hey, look, you know, we have this, this $5 gift card, you know, buy this $5 gift card or whatever. Um, and but, you know, what happened was he said the average spend on that thing was about 28 bucks. Sure. So he was really just giving a $5 discount on a 28 uh, or on a $33 order is all he was doing. Which, of course, half of those orders he probably wouldn't have gotten anyway. Exactly. I this mean, is all new business. It's all new business. Right. And so it was a huge growth thing for him. He said he was just, you know, he was swamped. He had like three locations and he was swamped for months after he did that. Wow. Wow. You know? So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. So here are just a few other insights from the first data survey. Consumers purchased an average of 6.5 cards in, two seven, in 2017 which is up from 5.9 in 2016 and 5.5, so about one additional Mm -hmm. in in a two-year span, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. 44% of consumers visited visited a store they would not otherwise have gone to because they had a gift card for that store. Sure, yeah. 81% of consumers said they liked the idea of receiving gift cards as a store credit. Sure. Right. Of course. Of course. It gives mean, you gives you a way to keep your customers happy without giving your giving the the store away. The store away. I yeah. mean, you know, I sure. doesn't bother me. I I return right. things. Sure, give me the, the gift card. I don't care. Right. Um, and in line with Mercator's findings, First Data also found that incentives count for a lot. Forty-two percent of consumers surveyed across all age groups said their preferred incentive for purchasing a gift card was discounted dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, you know, um, we've all done that. Yeah, know, of course. Right? Buy the gift card, buy a... A $50 gift card for 45 or whatever. For 45 or whatever. Or whatever. Sure. Uh, 31% said their preferred incentive 
was a bonus gift card. Another thing I've done a lot, you know. Hmm. Uh, but okay, uh, I think uh, one of the restaurant chains did this last year near me. Uh, buy a fifty dollar gift card, and we'll give you a ten dollar gift card. Nice, right? Sure. Sure. Um, Twelve percent like getting free items with purchases of gift cards, mm-hmm. which is not an incentive I've seen. Yeah, before. I haven't seen that very often. Eight percent like uh, receiving bonus amounts on the cards. Oh, sure. That's that's good right. See. And among self-purchasers like myself, thirty-seven mm-hmm. percent said they bought gift cards for themselves to receive discounts. Thirty-five percent did so for loyalty or rewards, sure. which is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And twenty-seven said percent said they did it for online purchases. Yeah, okay. And which is not uncommon. I have to admit. Um, you know, I'll get often if I take something back to Walmart, for example, I'll sure. get the gift card and I'll use that for when I'm shopping online at Walmart exactly. rather than, you know. <clears throat> right. So clearly there are opportunities for merchants to drive sales and to build loyalty with gift card programs and for ISOs and MLSs to assist in this process. Small businesses everywhere are looking for ways to outshine their big box competitors and boost sales. Gift card programs can help in that count. Plus, of course, they have the added benefit of eliminating frauds associated with the paper gift certificates of Absolutely. So if you're not promoting gift card programs with your clients and POS systems and devices that can support gift card programs, I'd say it's probably time to investigate adding those to your merchant offerings. Absolutely. That's great. Wow, good stuff, Patty. Good, good stats for the day. Thank you. Thank you much. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by InstantQuoteTool.com. With over 30 training courses covering everything from sales objections to statement analysis, ISOs are using our learning management system to help new agents understand the industry and how to sell merchant services. Industry veterans love our courses because we dive deeper into concepts such as interchange and explore new industry trends like cash discounting, NFC, and the resurgence of American Express with the Optical program. Put all of these training courses together with a leading proposal creation tool for merchant services agents in the field, and we believe our branded ISO solution and individual user package is a must-have. Visit instantquotetool.com today or email support at instantquotetool.com to learn more. Our first question today is an interesting one, actually. It comes from Bryce, and he is talking about uh, basically asking what are the best companies to go with to generate leads. Um, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, of course, we recently did the interview with Carson Cook. Right. So that'd be one that you know I could mention um, uh, with Centrix. Um, I think it's getcentrix.com or something like that. But um, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was some of these freelancer networks. Mm-hmm. I have really used them with a lot of success, actually. Really? Um, and I thought I would just kind of break down real quickly one of the campaigns that I did recently that was that worked well. Okay. Um, so if you go to a website called upwork.com, U-P-W-O-R-K, upwork.com, uh-huh. um, they have all these freelancers on there that are telemarketers now the uh, you know what you would think of doing is you would think let me find the cheapest telemarketers I could find and you can find them for six seven dollars an hour from Guatemala and everything yeah uh no No. I have had a ton of success hiring telemarketers at a ridiculous rate and I'm talking about twenty dollars an hour twenty five dollars an hour which is crazy you know but one would think that those are the ones they're really good and you know what they are a lot of times they're really good salespeople that were selling over the phone and their job got outsourced or eliminated 
right? And they're like looking for income, but they're really good. Uh -huh. So what I'll do is I'll get somebody like that. I always start them out the same way. I give them a, a list. So I, I start out with a uh, what they call an in Upwork. They call it a, a one-time project. It's not an ongoing project. Okay. So the project is I've got 250 people for you to call or 100 people for you to call, and I'm willing to pay you 500 bucks to call these people. And then I'm also going to give maybe a little bit of a spiff or something like that, or I'll just pay them by the hour and say, just call through this list. Right. But I'm looking for the, the really good, the expert telemarketers. Right. And, you know, get them to call through and treat them like a team member. You know, mm -hmm. they're involved. You want right. their opinion. They're probably better at it than you are, honestly. Sure. And so get their opinion. You know, what, what do you think we should do for these appointments? How should we set this up? You know, um, the other thing is if you treat them like a team member, you're going to get a lot more value out of them because they'll sure. do like reschedules for you and, and really kind of work with you to develop the campaign. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you have enough money, what I'd recommend is I'd actually recommend this is what I did in mind. Hire three telemarketers. Okay. Okay. All for a one-time project. Let them all know that they're competing for the, the single slot. Oh. I'm going to give you each 100 business owners to call. Whoever gives me the best appointments where I close the most deals, that person is going to have an ongoing contract of 15 hours a week. Oh, nice. Um, if you do that and you can give them a decent script and you know provide some information to them, um, it's going to be really, really uh, helpful, and you're going to find out that you're going to close some deals. And so this is – and just out of curiosity, what's what's been your success rate? So usually if I get them like that, I can I find that I can usually buy a good lead for about – Fifty dollars, okay, maybe sixty, uh -huh. um, which is really cheap for this industry, sure, you know. Sure. Because if you get, you know, give me three good leads, I'm going to close a deal for sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm paying 150 bucks a deal, right? Not bad. That's not bad. You know, not and bad. again, you you can do, you know, a, a big part of it is too. It's like uh, one thing that has it has struck me is it pretty much costs at least a hundred to two hundred dollars a deal, right? No matter how you do it, sure. Sure. And so you can do it where it's like, oh, wow, I got 10 appointments because I got him this really great script that basically tricks people into doing an appointment. Right. But you know, how many you're, are you going to get? You're going to close one. Yeah. Exactly. Or you can do a really good script where you get three people that are actually interested and you close one of them. So to me, it's less work. Sure. So I'd rather get them slightly more solid appointments. If I'm paying somebody now, it's funny. If I'm calling, I don't want solid appointments. I just want as many appointments as I can get because mm -hmm. I know if I walk in, I got a good chance of closing the deal. Right. But if I'm paying somebody to call, I want some good appointments. Oh, sure. sure. So, so that's my thought on that one. Good. Good input. Thanks, James. Awesome. All right, our next one is uh, an interesting question. I'm going to go to you on this one, Patty, first. So will the bank-controlled person-to-person payment networks like Venmo uh, and Zella, will they be important uh, in the future for retail? I am going to – I take the opinion that they will. It's not that they're going to be – it's not going to be a sea change. But right. what I see is, I mean, first of all, you have to remember banks are the gatekeepers to the payment system. Right. Okay. And banks have been a little bit late to the game, admittedly. And Venmo, by the way, is PayPal. It's not bank-owned, I believe. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And the other one, isn't the other one Square Cash? Or that's, that's owned by Square. One. Yeah, that's person Square, to person, right? right? And Zelle is, but Zelle is the one that is owned by the banks. Okay. Okay. And what I see with Zelle is that it's a great way to get people used to the idea of mobile payments. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is going to have the impact down the line. Yeah. I don't see a bunch of merchants accepting Zelle. Yeah. But I do see a bunch of merchants eventually going with mobile and that if consumers are used to using their bank provided mobile. Oh, I see. It's going to drive more it's going to drive more mobile payments. Exactly. Mm, interesting. We'll go with your opinion on that one cuz I really don't have one. I haven't okay. thought about that much, but that's yeah. that's really interesting and that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Definitely driving more mobile payments. Definitely one. 
Uh, awesome. Hey, last question, and this is so funny because literally Patty and I were just talking about this one before this. I, I didn't know we had this question here, but Rex asks, uh, I'll kind of summarize. He basically says that, you know, since we started in the, in the payments industry, um, you know, have we had to change our sales tactics and strategies uh, to be successful? Mm -hmm. And I was just talking to Patty and, and the statement I made, if I remember correctly, was something to the effect of, you know, there's, there's the sales strategies I talk about in my videos and things which I did at the beginning. Right. And then there's the way I actually sell merchant services today, which is dramatically different. And I never talk about it. Right. And the reason I never talk about it is because no one is willing to do it. Um, and wouldn't you say also because it's sort of evolved around your personality it has. and your it's strategies? It has. It's my strengths. It's, it's your, right. right. My it strength, plays you know, to your strengths. Right. Exactly. I, I figured out that you know I can do events and I can do YouTube videos and I can mm -hmm. do online marketing and these things. Um, and so you know what I would say is um, a couple things. So to, let me start by giving you some value. So Rex, to answer your question, I think that there are two phases when you get into this industry. Phase one is building your database. Phase two is leveraging your database. Mm -hmm. So the first phase is just hard. Like there is just no easy way. There's right. no shortcut. Nope. You either got to call, you know, 3000 business owners or you got to walk into 3000 businesses or both. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're then going to have, you know, 400 local business owners who you have their email address, you know, whatever. So collect data. Right. Be leveraging that data, sending out your weekly update email. I did that for years, my mm -hmm. weekly update email. Um, you know, but then once you have that that list, well, now you can do some Facebook marketing. You can connect mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You can do LinkedIn referral stuff. Um, I've done a ton of uh, videos on how to leverage, you know, YouTube and LinkedIn and Twitter to generate uh, referral leads and stuff. Right. Um, and so I guess to answer your question, uh, Rex, um, yes, my sales strategies today are drastically different, not because it didn't work initially. Right. I made a ton of money going door to door, mm -hmm. just walking in. I mean, I love it. Um, but it's just that I kind of figured out over time that once I had that database, um, and the, and I'll tell you the other big difference. Honestly, Patty, it's money. Mm -hmm. It's the truth. I didn't right. have money back then. Sure. My strategies today are dramatically different because I can pay for stuff. Exactly. So I can buy leads. I can do Facebook advertising. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. I can put up a website. You know what I mean? And, and and you didn't really even realize that until you had gotten, right? you know, worn, well, worn it, it, through a few uh, pairs of shoes, right? Right. <laughs> and, and he mentions here any aha moments. Yeah. Uh, aha moment. The first time I did a partial buyout uh -huh. and I got 10 grand. Right. And I was like, whoa. I have $10,000. What am I going to do with this? And I'm not the kind of person that's, I'm not, I'm not going to buy a car. Right. Like I want to reinvest this money. Exactly. And I'm like, what do I do with this thing? You know? And so I started thinking about that and you know, that's really what kind of prompted. Uh, and so, you know, because you had the extra money, I had the money, you could put it into the marketing. Right. And, and right. the other thing too, I had the money and I had the expertise because I had already done it. I knew what was needed to be done. Um, so I've done all kinds of things. I mean, it's really fun. I mean, I've done, you know, sub agent programs locally, mm -hmm. nationally. I've done, you know, Facebook marketing stuff. I've done Twitter, where I did uh, for a long time, funny, I did um, Twitter videos where uh -huh. you can at mention someone on Twitter and, and make the tweet a video. And I sent them a video to the business. Uh -huh. um, I've just done tons of stuff like that. So I've tried a lot of different things, social media related, um, media. I even did a show for a little while where I would interview small business owners. Mm -hmm. So when I called, instead of saying I'm calling to sell you merchant services, I'm calling because I'd like to interview you on the uh, Blair County Small Business Show. Uh -huh. Oh, of course, please. Sure. So I interviewed him. And of course, at the end of the interview, I sold the merchant services. Right. So right. I'd interview three business owners a week, sell two of them. You know. Um, so I've done a ton of different things. But it's all, it's all really a, a result of... You know, experience, having a database, uh, and having money. That's, and that was and, the game changer. And also, just I would think, you know, just having the the sort of uh, 
mental processes that can kind of go through and say, "Oh, I've been, I, you know, I, right. I've been here, and right. I know, and I know." Trial and error. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But I would say, Rex, play to your strengths. You know, some of the stuff I just mentioned may not be your thing. Right. You know, I know reps that have been selling door to. I mean, we talked to Donnie Troy a few right. weeks he's, ago. He's been going door to door for like years. I don't even know how long. I mean, like seven at least years, seven or, or eight years. Yeah. Right? And yeah. he still does virtually the same thing. He has a database now, more referrals. It's easier, right. but he's still doing the same thing mm-hmm. and is very successful. That's his strength. And that's his strength. Yeah. Exactly. So focus on your strengths, Rex, and you're going to do awesome. Um, hey, thanks everybody so much for listening to the questions from the field. Definitely send me more questions. I'm looking at my database, going, oh, Patty, we're we're getting down to the we're bottom get, of the barrel here. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, folks, give yeah. us some more questions. So email me, james at cccalespro.com, james at cccalespro.com, and uh, send me some fresh questions. And I'm looking forward to answering them along with my co-host, Patty Murphy. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and cccalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.